Good morning and welcome to Inspired, your grown-up girl talk. I'm Stacy Fleece and as always, I'm here with Samantha Tredelius and Jennifer Tovani. Good morning, gals. Good morning. Good morning. So emphasis today on the grown-up part because um, I feel like our friend who's joining us today has one of the coolest, most grown-up jobs ever. Um, so I want to welcome Claire McEwen. Claire, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. Claire is the head of the design studio for Coach, which uh, is pretty damn cool considering I think every person I know has at least at least two Coach handbags in their closet right now. I like it that way. <laughs> yeah, right? Um, I, I mean, it's kind of cool to think that the bags I have, you may have actually designed. Yes. Um, I mean, to, to clarify, in my title as head of design studio, I'm actually not a designer by training. Um, what I do is, in my background, I did um, product development, um, eventually, as part of my background that I got into probably 14 years ago. And so that, through the course of that journey, it allowed me an opportunity to work really closely with some um, esteemed creative directors and product development is actually taking designs and turning them into actual product or sourcing and developing the materials, working with the factories, figuring out like the roadmap of how things are going to get done. And as through my career, I climbed the ranks and worked, started working even more and more and more high profile. It, it led me to this job which is kind of functioning as the right hand of the creative director. So I kind of oversee all the design that goes on in all of the different departments, but I work on things anywhere from calendar strategy to overall strategy to things that have to do with advertising, celebrity projects, runway shows, collaborations with China. I mean, it's kind of like, because our creative director is so wide reaching over absolutely everything, anything that he's involved in, I'm involved in. So it is um, any of the bags that you might have, I might've helped a designer troubleshoot anything that came in their way to making that bag into a reality. But um, I don't have the formal training as a designer. That's so. um, that's a badass grown up though. So cool. <laughs> Did you um, tell me, did you always want to be in the fashion industry? Like this is, I mean, the fashion industry is enormous. I mean, I think Coach alone is north of 6 billion as an individual company, yeah. correct? It is, yes. So, and um, it's got scores in every time. market in the world, yeah. Um, yes, I would say predominantly. I mean, I had a couple, a couple interests. I knew in high school that I wanted to do something in the art world, I remember a speaker coming from the Fashion Institute of Design and Merchandising that really interested me. Um, when I think about it, at other times I thought I wanted to be a psychologist or a lawyer. It's really funny because psychology plays a really big part in fashion or it's, it really does have an involvement. But um, yeah, <laughs> I would say when I, you know, I was always into clothes as a lot of people know me remember um, from the time I was very little, but around the time of being 15 in 1993 and I was starting to pick up Vogue and, and understanding there was an industry behind this and at the same time being really into grunge music and the whole music scene and Mark Jacobs was the person that brought that all together where he was a designer that I related to because what was going on in 
the counterculture or what I was experiencing as a distraught teenager, he was putting on a runway and he kind of, I call him my gateway drug and, um, (laughs) you know, years (laughs) I like, I followed Mark feverently for years and basically anything that I've ever thought was really cool. Mark had something to do with. And eventually I almost worked for him at multiple for his company, not for him himself, but at multiple points in my career. And then eventually in 2014, went to work at Mark Jacobs, but I originally was brought in to be the development of footwear for the Mark by Mark line, which he was not involved in, even though it had his name, he focused on the runway and he was just departing as his um, post as the creative director of Vuitton for 15 years prior to that. So when I was hired, I wasn't ever supposed to have any, um, any interaction with him at all, but that quickly changed within a year. And um, when they merged the lines and they folded mark by mark, it never really went away. They just merged the lines. And through that, I started working one-on-one with him and then became incredibly close with him. Yeah. He's a genius. Right. He's, he's, he's a genius. Yeah. So I just, were you fangirling every day at work? What? Sorry, what? Were you fangirling every day at work for a while? I mean, no, you know, I wasn't because I think that that's something that I've always tried to remember. I mean, first off, like I'm very much a back of the house kind of person. So that like the job that I have now is the more front facing position that I've ever had. And I, I'm, I'm actually like, people always think like, oh, a fashion career, it's really glamorous. Like I will tell you, my job has not been glamorous. <laughs> like, maybe, maybe now it's getting like a little bit like that, but you know, the pandemic kind of took a lot of that away. And that basically everything is happening for my dining room table, but it, I was very much a back of the house person always like your job is to get it done and, and sweat and travel and figure it out and, and be under a lot of pressure. But I've always tried to remember with any of the people that I work with is that they're people just like all of us. And, you know, they want straight answers. They want someone who works hard. They want honesty. So yes, of course, like the first couple of times I sat in a room with him, I was like, holy shit, I'm sitting here with Mark after, you know, I've already been almost 20 years of idolizing him. And, you know, you have those moments where you go, this is why I did all of this. Like, this is why at all the points I was ready to throw, you know, pull my hair out and people would say, why don't you just leave? And you're like, no, I've I've worked this hard. Like something's got to amount to something here. So yeah, it was, it was a benchmark moment of like, I can't believe that I'm actually here. The bucket list of people you needed to meet. So I want to know about the industry from your angle. Like, is there a lot of women in your field or is it predominantly yes. men? It's, is it more women than men? Um, I, maybe slightly more women than men, um, but there still are quite a few men and there still have been some of the, you know, I've definitely seen some of the bureaucracy or the sexism, or it, it really depends. Um, obviously, you know, things have improved in the last couple of years, but those things were always there. However, not as strongly as say my friends that work in finance or who work in other uh, industries. So um, the industry has always been pro-women. There have been um, many female CEOs and leaders, but when you look at the actual statistics, from my vantage point of, you know, the people I've known, the work that I've done, when I actually see the statistics, I'm like, oh, it's really surprising that there haven't been more women CEOs and more leaders. 
Especially because women are the ones who really appreciate, you know, for the most part, the fashion world is kind of catered for, I mean, it's definitely for both sexes, but it's geared for women. And I would think that more women would be able to be in those uh, roles, which hopefully, fingers crossed, you know, we can punch up those ceilings a little bit more. Yeah. Interesting. I mean, one of the things in fashion that I always kind of joke about, and I like that we're unedited here and I can say this, but men are men, whether they're gay, straight, bi, like they're still men. <laughs> they still have a lot of, you know, tendencies and, and they're just, they're still men. And so, and there's a, a lot of, of gay men in the industry. And, you know, sometimes I joke around where I'm like, oh, it's us women that had to suck in there and do this because this has been sitting with the guys. And of course, no one's taking care of it. It's just sitting there, everyone's like, I don't know what to do. You know? But the women are like, give it to me. I'll, I'll take care of it. So behind every great fashion designer, there's a few w- amazing women for sure. So I'm, I'm very happy to know that in the fashion industry, the rule, if you want it done, give it to a busy woman still, still exists. Still yeah, yeah, for sure. So Not to say there aren't a lot of great guys. There are, but you know, sometimes I just laugh when I see certain things that are stuck. I'm like, oh yeah, okay, that's why. So, so here's a question: when when someone designs, let's say a handbag or a pair of shoes, like from mind to to product in hand, like what's the lifetime of that? Like, is it something that happens quickly or? It can happen quickly if someone's making miracles, but it you know, it, it all depends on what it is and what its purpose. Like if you're talking about development for a runway that works a little bit differently versus when you're developing something with a commercial approach. And it's not that the development time is any different. It's more about the thought, the considerations that need to be brought into it. So if you're doing something commercial, you're what you're really needing this supreme functionality or a price point or a volume or, you know, a lot of different things that you have to consider. Whereas like for a runway, you're taking a designer's pure vision and putting it on a runway. So at, at Mark, I mean, we, we would make shoes in like a day and a half with this amazing. Oh my gosh. Man. So, and shoes are, you know, more complicated than handbags because handbags are made much the same way with aside from the hardware, but they're made much the same way that clothing is where a pattern is, is created and you cut the pattern and then you have the hardware and whatnot and put it together where shoes, you have to deal with a last, which is the form of the shoe and the heel. And those are all things that are molded and they take much longer to make. Um, but that's when you look for something existing. If you've got a really whip it out. In a pinch, you can make a shoe in 36 hours. Who knew? Yeah. Who knew? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you've got those components there, yeah, you can. That's crazy. Claire, I know you've traveled quite a bit uh, in your career. Um, What's your favorite country to visit? And uh, what kind of stories can you tell us about your travels? I mean, I would have to say Italy because it's my second home. I did live there in the year of 2007 and spent a a lot of time there. I have a lot of friends there. Um, My family on my mom's side being of Italian origin, you know, I already had an affinity to begin with. The food is amazing. The craftsmanship is supreme. Um, But I've also spent a lot of time in China. I spent a lot of time in Taiwan and visited various other places. And there's something special and and unique and amazing about each place and um, the way that they do business, uh, 
know, there's just wonderful people everywhere. So, um, and I've been hosted by many of them. Stories I have, I have a lot of stories. I mean, try like getting the wrong, most recently I was remembering getting the wrong address for the new factory and being in a field of sunflowers, driving a car and my friend, because I would always drive around everywhere around Italy in the end. And my friend was like, I'm outside. I'm waving my hands. I'm waving my hands. I'm like, all I see are sunflowers. I don't see you anywhere. And then all of a sudden the carabinieri, which is like the Italian police pulls up and busts me for talking on my cell phone with the 350 euro ticket that I oh, ever no. paid. <laughs> I have a lot of speeding tickets in Italy that I have not paid. Oh my <laughs> me and my friend that were working there together were like, oh my gosh, they keep coming, they keep coming. And she's like, I'm not fucking paying them. <laughs> I was like, neither am I. Like, whatever. You're wanted <laughs> by the Italian police. Yeah, I'm wanted, I'm wanted in Padua, yeah. Yeah, right? You're going to get yeah. stopped at customs. Like, I'm sorry, you're going to have to pay this ticket to come into the country? I, yeah. That's what my mom told me. She's like, you better be careful. I said, no, like the, the Italians don't have that sophisticated of systems. When you travel to these different places and you're around these different cultures and you're coming in as a woman of power or women of decision-making, are you noticing you get a little pushback or, or, or. Yeah. Yeah. Know, yeah. Yeah. yeah, to yeah. Break those? Oh yeah. I mean, I remember when I first moved to Italy I was such a fish out of water. I didn't know what I was doing at all. But I remember this one day I was in this factory and, you know, it was like very proper factory. All the gentlemen had on white coats and there are all these Florentine Italians. And here I am. And, and, you know, I've always looked really young. And at the time I was 29 and I come in, I'm the girl they sent over from the States who doesn't speak Italian. And frankly, I'd like never really done what I was doing before. And so they were sitting with a calculator, um, coming up with the, the price of this, these goods. And I had um, an agency with me that was translating and everything. And they were adding something up. And I said, mm, that doesn't add up like that. No, like you're, there's, you're missing something in there because the numbers you just gave me don't add up to the number that you're telling me now. And they, and, you know, I did understand a little bit of Italian because my grandmother spoke Italian and they said, oh, we have to watch ourselves with this one. Oh, so uh, <laughs> now. yeah. Or I yeah, had so you, my so friend right in. Yeah. Um, my friend Catherine, who's one of my best friends, but her and I met working at Theory, and she said, you know, people just used to live in fear of you because they'd hear you screaming on the phone at seven o'clock in the morning. I'm like, yeah, I'm screaming with the owner of the Espadrille factory in Spain who won't listen to me because I'm a woman. So I need to let <laughs> him know that I mean business. So it would happen all the time, all the Maybe time. Maybe if I because- talk louder, they'll listen. Yeah, I mean, you have to like, I, you know, I don't generally like to, get, I don't miss factory life. I got to tell you that because there was a lot of having to assert yourself in that way. But yes, it's, you know, still um, patriarchal in all in all of these cultures and factories that it's, it's men making these decisions. It's ultimately men like you might sometimes have a woman that's at the front of things, but there's it's always a man that signs the checks. And so when you're the person coming over from the company and maybe you're blonde and maybe you're wearing a dress that day, but that doesn't mean you're not going to make my shit on time in the way that I told you to make it for the cost (laughs) to be agreed on. Like, that's just how it's going to go. And I mean, also too, you know, I I grew up in kind of 
a manufacturing factory to an extent. My dad's a general contractor. He made cabinets. My grandfather was a jewelry designer. So I've kind of been around this my whole life in, in some capacity. So I'm a big proponent for the artisan. It was never, I, I always appreciate what they do and I've always tried to advocate, but if you pee on my leg and tell me it's raining, we're going to have a problem. <laughs> that is the best. That is, we need to write that one down, ladies. That is brilliant. <laughs> that is brought to you by Judge Judy. I think she's the first person I ever heard say that. Wait, like, I am a the big best Judge thing Judy ever. I yeah. That <laughs> That's fantastic. But I think it's very interesting and, and just high fives to you for raising your voice and putting your foot down and kicking that, you know, dog who's peeing off you off because it's like if we're not if we're not asserting ourselves in these different roles and and other women are seeing us do it and they're like oh claire did it like i can do that i mean yeah. we're never gonna get ahead in all these and and these other countries are so far behind um so kudos to you girlfriend thank you now what do you that's interesting though sam where you're going there what what do you see in your industry in terms of women coming up the ranks now versus when you had to get through the ranks? Uh, I mean, I definitely see, you know, as people as a whole, like things have just shifted so much. And I, I think back to things that I went through five years ago and was dealing with that now I wouldn't have to worry about. But at the time before Me Too, I mean, I, I had some situations that were going on. And if Me Too had been in place, I would have blown it up out of the water. But I didn't because that wasn't going on. And my concern was my career, my reputation, that the, the person I was having a problem with would, would be fine and they would walk on and that would be fine. It would be me that would be suffering. So that really changed everything. And I think now women are just much more confident. There's like a, a watchdog theory around it. Um, and, you know, Gen Z in general, there's uh, a lot of people refer to it as like a sense of entitlement, but I think, which there is a little bit, but I think it's just a really different mentality that people are a lot more conscious and aware. And I think that they feel more supported. Um, and yeah, it's just totally different. So yes, I mean, I was joking with someone the other day because we were talking about, you know, our careers and all the stuff that had gone into it. And I think school has this way of they're like, reach for the stars. And when you graduate, like everything's going to be amazing and you're great. And you got a 3.5 GPA, like your life is golden. And then someone's like, here, go sweet. (laughs) (laughs) I have a degree. Here's the toilet brush. Enjoy yourself. Yeah. I mean, my first job out of college, I was managing the Kate Spade store in San Francisco, downtown in the Shreve building. And like, Homeless people used to use the door to the alley as a toilet and not just for number one. And I had to clean it. And I would be arguing with the owner of the French restaurant across the way that it was on my side of the street and I had to clean it. And I'm like, you know, in my outfit and my getup and I'm out there like cleaning human shit. And I was like, wow, (laughs) this degree is like, everything's going great. This is, but that's the reality of it. You know, you, it's. Um, we were also having a conversation, you know, starting salaries right now at a school or some, for some people are like $110,000 a year. I mean, that's more than double what I was looking at. And I actually got the highest paying job out of my graduating class, but so things 
it, it is, di- there's a few things that are different. It's different in mentality and socially it's different. And there's been so much change, but also there's just so much industry change and with, you know, everything online and that whole, there's people are automatically much farther ahead in certain areas. There's been that real shift out there in the marketplace. So I do think there is, to your point, there is um, some, some empowerment that can be confused with entitlement, Um, you know, feeling self-empowered versus feeling self-entitled. And I I think I always got the impression that an industry like yours, um, not solely, but I, I think more so than some others, you really do have to pay your dues at the yes. bottom to work your way up. Do you find that the people coming into the industry today are willing to pay those dues? Are they willing to pick up the shit out the back door? Or are they expecting to- I think some people ladder? are and some people aren't. And I think a lot of it is is still just your basic, it's it's your background, it's your discipline, it's it's how you achieve things. And, you know, I, I see both. I see both, but I see people that are, super, super, super eager and will do anything. And, you know, for instance, at Mark Jacobs, cause now I'm a, a little bit more re- removed sometimes from the junior levels, but at Mark Jacobs, we had so many interns. <laughs> some of them were amazing. And some of them were like, oh gosh, but the, the bulk of them, you know, were amazing. And I think it's, I've always called it for, for the love of the game. And it's like, they love fashion and they know they're in an important place and they're willing to work really hard. And, and that was like really hard work. You know, we'd work one, two months with no days off or all night long or going back and forth on planes. Like it was really tough. And there was a good handful of them that just, you know, did it and smiled and did it and never had anything to say about anything. And then you get some people that had stuff to say, but under the circumstances, it was like, well, yeah, they have not a day off in 30 days. So <laughs> I love it. So Claire, let's switch the gear a little bit. I want to hear about the crazy shit back end. Like what's the wackiest thing that you've ever come across or, you know, had a situation in front of you that you're oh. just like, are you kidding me? Like, what one time Mark wanted me to get a helicopter, but and I was like, I can't. And he was like, You're gonna have to. And I just, and the thing is, is like, I would have gone and gotten the helicopter, I would have just done it, but the company was gonna push back on that. And I just, I was not thinking about the helicopter, I was thinking about how am I gonna get the company to let me get the helicopter? <laughs> like it, was, it was more that, you know. I mean, I would say there was a runway show at, it, w- it would have been the spring 2018 show. So this would be like four or five years ago. And we were doing this development in Italy at the same time that we were doing this development in Asia. And we were trying to do something and I, and I'm like the person that will make anything happen. But once in a while, I would say that's not going to happen. Like, I just don't see how that's going to happen. Cause we were making the soles of these shoes in Asia and the uppers in Italy and having to take the soles from China to Italy. And you can't really move things around like that for reasons that take too long to go into, but you just can't really do that from a manufacturing standpoint. So I was trying to warn Mark, I don't, I don't think this is going to happen. Like, I don't know if I'm going to be able to do this. No, you can do it. You can do it. You can do it. Okay. So in those instances, you just basically push 
as hard as you can until the fat lady sings. I mean, you just don't stop pushing. You keep pushing. You keep pushing. Like, don't think no, just, just push and see you. And you'd be surprised what you can make happen. So, um, uh, there were like two typhoons, like everything that could go wrong to get this stuff <laughs> to China or to Italy was going wrong. Not to mention, we had logistics. Now we've like, got the oh. yeah, we had like 950 skews of beads. I had to clean out my office. We had over 25,000 beads in my office that had to be distributed to places like all over the world. And this was making me and my whole team like insane. I mean, it was just hair pulling. And then we had to do these layouts for every shoe where it's like, okay, now this speed, now this speed, now this speed. It, it was insane. The whole, I made all the beads. I named everything. I did all the layouts for everybody. Of course I got sick as I normally would and lost my voice and had 102 temperature and was still like running around doing whatever, but things started to get like pretty dramatic and it, it was not happening to the point that I think it was like, 20, 48 hours before we were supposed to be back in New York, because we would hand carry this stuff. So we would get it made. We'd stay up for like three nights before we get it made. We'd pull out of the factory at three o'clock in the morning, drive to Milan, which is three and a half hours away, go through customs with the broker, get on the plane, get off, run through JFK with the brokers, get everything in the van. And I was the one who always did the last transit and bring it to the show. Like that's how late things were starting to get, which is not normally how things go. So something happened. Oh that I would, die. I was supposed to leave. So it was like the last flight that I, it seemed like I could really make it on time. And I was supposed to leave but I was at the airport and the owner of the factory told me I'm not going to be done until the last possible second because of all the screw ups that had happened before that. Oh, He's like, I'm going on. to take empty boxes and I'm going to put them through customs at the Venice airport. So they're going to check in empty boxes. Then those boxes wait for a couple of hours and I'm going to come in because I have a broker friend and I'm going to put the real goods in the boxes. No. So you go to the airport and you check in the fake boxes and get, and then you wait. And by the time you actually get the boxes and see them getting on the plane, they will have the shoes in them. I'm like, okay. So this it's guy's like name a is been working for, for like 30 years. So I go, all right, fine. Just let me do your thing. So I'm sitting at the airport and he calls me. He's like, come back. I was like, what do you mean? Come back. He's like, it's not ready. I was like, Oh my God. So I had to go back and I had to figure out like, what flight I was going to get on, which both were really risky that I was going to end up missing the show. And I had 65% of the shoes for the show with me. It was like one of the worst situations I'd ever been in. So we leave again. I take, I decided to take the flight connecting through Amsterdam because I could have taken a direct flight out of Milan, but I was really cutting it close at that point. So I decided to take a connecting flight which when you're carrying goods is, is very risky because something can happen, what have you. We get on the flight at four o'clock in the morning. We go to try to land in Amsterdam and there's a storm and we can't land and we're circling. And me and Giuseppe are sitting next to each other and he's like, Madonna mia, parka putana, which means like you fucking pig. <laughs> Swearing. I'm like, oh my God, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't with this. So we finally land. We have to make this connecting flight. I go running through the airport. I jump passport control. I get to the gate and they're like, did you go through passport? I'm like, 
oh no, sorry. And I pretend not to know it. I'm like, oh, my dad's behind me. Uh, he has a heart problem. Can you go pick him up? And so they go and they drive and they get to set me and they bring him. And I'm going, do you have these boxes? Do you have these boxes? There's like, no, we're not going to be able to find this. This flight is taking off. I was like, then I'm not getting on the plane. You have to have these boxes. I will not get on the plane without them. They were like, you have to. I was like, no, I'm basically going to live in Amsterdam if I don't have these boxes. Cause I can't, I can't go back to New York. Like it's not possible. So they said, well, this person's missing their medication and this is happening. And I said, these are for a fashion show. And they said, when is it? I said, today at four o'clock in New York. And the woman goes, fashion emergency. (laughs) (laughs) They put me on the plane. They give me champagne. I like, of course, pop like two ambient. And they're like, your stuff is on the plane. I was like, oh my God, thank you. Thank you. And I said, please write down your address. I'm going to send you so much stuff. I got to New York. Mark was calling me or he doesn't actually call people. He has people call you. Where are you? Where are you? I was like, well, I stopped to get a manicure. Where do you think I am? I am in traffic. I will be there as soon as possible. And it, yeah, it got there. So that was so What does Giuseppe think of you now? I mean, he's, he's, you know, he's swearing at you when you're circling Amsterdam. No, he he wasn't swearing at me. He was swearing like in general. He just was like, yeah, he, you know, (laughs) was, I mean, he and I went on to have our own arguments, but I love him. He texts me every holiday, every, everything. How are you? Yeah. He's like my second dad or something. So that was, um, that was great. But yeah, in, in Italy, I mean, I had so many, like we went through hell working with those people and they're all great. You know, they're, we miss you. Come back, come back. So cause the camaraderie that comes from you basically drive each other nuts 17 hours a day for like an entire summer. So but you're oh getting it done. yeah, you yeah. get it done. This is so amazing. Claire, we could talk to you forever <laughs> about these stories yeah. and situations. Cause you know, when we watch fashion week, I think we're all going to look at it a little bit differently now because there's so much behind the scenes that we don't actually know. Yes. And we pick up a handbag at the, uh, online or at the store, we're going to be like, wow, there was a lot that went into this. And, uh, Claire was part of that. And uh, <laughs> it's, it's pretty amazing. Um, and girls out there, it's like, you got to pay your dues and work hard and sometimes clean up some shit to get to the top, but that's how you do it. Yes, yeah, you, work, sure. you work hard. You so work, we- yeah, you work hard and, and long, you know, I mean, I've been at this for 26 years. Like it takes, takes, a, it takes a long time. It takes a long time. Well, we want to thank you, Claire, for joining us today and thank our inspired listeners. And we hope everybody gets a piece of information that they can use and, and uh, gain some information and knowledge from. Thank you very much. And thank you for joining Inspired.